Hello. Thank you. Welcome. I feel like I'm welcoming you into my home. This feels like an intimate one, this origin story. So thank you for joining me, and I hope you enjoy the trip. I've had many incredible and transformative experiences along my path, like many of you have, I'm sure. I arrived on planet Earth in the arms of two loving young adults named Mark and Helen, born in the UK, arriving separately in Canada in their youth. Uh, They had me at 21, so very young, uh, very fresh, very green, let's say. And I had a great childhood with, had the benefit of living amongst funny, loving, available grandparents. And I say available because I spent a lot of time with both my grandmothers who were independent and sporadic in their careers uh, with entrepreneurial tendencies, which came to inspire my views of what work meant and what balance looked like. And as a child, I loved being outside. I loved running, bike riding without a sense of time. I enjoyed the mystery of things and loved mischievous and eccentric people who gave permission to live outside the lines. I really loved that. I gravitated towards adults that were slightly rebellious, funny. You know those people when you meet them. And I had an innate sense of spirituality that did not match the religions that I was aware of. Although I did have some interesting times in my childhood. I went to a Baptist camp once and you know, accepted Jesus into my heart and was asked if there was anybody else that I think Jesus, you know, needed maybe Jesus into their heart. And I remember listing my Chihuahua, my, at this point, my eight-year-old Chihuahua. I thought he definitely needed, needed that. So I, I've always had a fascination. I mean, the crucifixion story, I won't sugarcoat it, traumatized me. Um, but, you know, I've always had a, a sense of spirituality in one form or another. Growing up, I experienced a sense of community with my family and close friends, and this is partly due to my parents always hosting family gatherings, bringing us all together. It always involved sharing food, playing games, music. My parents' friends thought I was like this cool, cute, funny kid that was entertaining and had a lot of energy and a lot of personality, so they listened to my stories. They enjoyed speaking with me. I had a lot of great interaction. My parents loved music like music was always on every Sunday morning I woke up to music already on my dad playing the Beatles dad playing Rolling Stones Wings like my fondness for music comes from my parents my mom would test me when we were driving like what song is this and I would know the song within three seconds of hearing it I music was such a part of our a part of our lives the soundtrack of our lives definitely and it connects me with my memories they're inextricably linked to specific songs and music gets me in my nostalgia so quick i have had such emotional connections to music and it's become a language for me to connect with my family and friends my husband even uses songs now to like he'll play a song on our wi-fi system when i'm still upstairs in bed getting ready getting ready to come out for the day and it's so sweet and it connects me with my friends, as I said, there's been so many times, like, I remember, maybe not all of you remember this, but I remember CDs, and when you really, you could only get the compilations that were made, and I wanted to compile my own mixtapes, so I made mixed CDs for every occasion, I, I've, like, 
literally going through them. My CD wallet, there's another term that people might not be aware of. But uh, anyway, my experience of transformation started slow and early. I hit certain puberty milestones early while others right in line with my peers. Certain parts of my body were transitioning early (laughs) and certain parts weren't. (laughs) The things that made me different were the things that started to feel very uncomfortable as I approached teen years. And to be honest, television and media were my main sources of entertainment and world news (laughs) as a teen. What I knew, how I knew what was going on was either the goss I caught wind of while being around the adults around me or the, the media that I was watching. And that definitely was what was informing me at that time. Around 14 was when I tried it, when I started to trade in my innocent curiosity for coolness. There was something so cold about being cool. So between grade eight and grade nine, roughly around 14, was when I went through my first conscious and visible transformation of both my body and my self-concept. Like many humans do, I know this is a transformative time, but I was aware of it in certain senses. My version of transformation was swapping baggy jeans my granddad's raincoat, braces, and Nirvana, and Weezer, for form-fitting clothes, atheism, eyeliner, and BET. And no, I don't think those things are linked. That just happened to be my specific formula and what I was into at the time. I don't look at any part of this as embarrassing or better or worse, but just different levels of self-understanding. And by my late teens and early 20s, I felt like I was in my femme. So I was pretty tomboyish, maybe androgynous up to a certain point. I know those concepts are used quite frequently, but I really didn't have that sense of femininity yet. I felt very neutral. And that sort of developed in my teenage years, my like high school and late 20s, or early 20s, sorry. My expression at that time was music, dance, parties, relationships. I I enjoyed anything social. I couldn't get enough of it. In high school, I learned from playing my part in relationships. I learned about intimacy, sexuality, judgment, harshness, vindictiveness, and victimhood, but also expansion. Grade nine was crazy for me. Meeting all these new people from all the different schools around, it really felt like my world had opened right up. So High school for me seemed wild and fun and also painful. Running parallel to this coming of age, I had several relationships that rattled my independence and self-concept. I experienced my first love, loss of virginity, and big breakup by the age of 17 with a fella who was two years older, and I caught up quick. I was tall, looked mature for my age, and could get into bars with and without a fake ID at like 17, 18. Not that I condone this. This is just me telling you what my experience was. So these relationships were exciting. They were affirming in many ways. And some of them were deeply painful. They included moments and the painful stuff, really, of self-betrayal, self-denial, self-destruction in very unaware ways. During this era, I did not want to slow down, get silent, or honor my body. That came from my wisdom of my 30s. In my teens, it was a ride. Along with the challenges and lessons, was an incredible sense of energy. 
I had the keys to the car and I drove it fast, metaphorically and literally. If you're from the town I'm from, you might have seen me driving far too fast in certain zones. Academic discovery was something that piqued my interest later in life. I always enjoyed learning, but the school setting wasn't the most applicable for me. I was not well received by many teachers along the way, and my my predominant curriculum seemed to be social-relational. I was always more interested in that. I had a few teachers along the way, though, that stood out as real, compassionate people. I was so grateful for them. They ended up carving out a space for me to thrive and learn in a style that felt authentic to me. I was able to manage decent grades, but I was not finding the environment matched my learning. I felt very closed off, judgmental, and it felt very performative. I did not want to be there. Along with a variety of mixed interactions with staff and faculty regarding my lack of interest or having too large of a presence in class, I had a few relationships with teachers that really seemed to understand me. I had one conversation in particular with a guidance counselor advising me not to waste my time applying for college, let alone university. And for a while after, I bought into the idea that I was not good enough. I bought into that vision of me more than I was able to hold my own vision. I had been avoiding the emotions and feelings that went along with my specific experiences and the generalized teenage angst of trying to grow into yourself. Self-criticism and perfectionism were bubbling under the surface, and my self-concept was a painful thing that I avoided connecting with. I lived out loud in the external and really only gave attention to my internal landscape when it became louder. That interaction with the guidance counselor guided me to my first experience of revenge success. Isn't that funny? That's the guidance I ended up getting. (laughs) After finding out that I could apply to college and transfer to university after one year, the light cracked in. I applied to a university I never thought I would get into and completed my bachelor's in communication and sociology. I would say though, doing anything from revenge energy It's a hot burning fuel. Revenge energy is very interesting. You can get pretty far on it, um, but it burns real hot. And sometimes when you achieve those things, that energy really doesn't seem to be part of the celebration either. It seems like I'd grown, outgrown it. So now I prefer to work from an energy of creative motivation and sensuality as opposed to vindictive energy. So, During the time at university, I worked as a server in restaurants. I studied critical theory and entered into another formative romantic relationship. I say formative because again, it allowed me to explore the edges, the edges of pain, the edges of self. It allowed me to test the waters of neediness, intimacy, and betrayal. I had a few rock bottom and never again moments. This was a moth to a flame kind of situation. He was older by a couple years, very cool and emotionally unavailable. I'm sure some of y'all can relate. My heartbreak in relationships has continually called me to come back to myself, to come back inside for love and to fortify from the inside first. 
didn't know that's what the call was when I was going through these relationships. And this is hindsight I've been able to glean after. I learn from and in relationship with others, but I didn't know how to see the signs, break the habits, and move with the cycles yet. I'd like to stop and and really honor the friends and the people that I've had in my life. When I think about my teens and 20s, I've had so many incredible relationships, relationships with boys, the relationship with myself, and I had some really incredible girlfriends, some real ride or die babes. And I'm gonna shout you out yearbook style, AD, SW, RO, MH, GJ, BH, NP, AC. You know who you are. I love you so much and thank you. Some of you, that that last initial is your maiden name, so you might not totally recognize yourself in here. But I wanted to say there's always been some incredible, incredible women by my side through these these transitions. So after that relationship, this one where I experienced betrayal and all kinds of weird head game type situations, all kinds of growth moments and do I choose myself or do I choose this idealized version of a relationship? After seeing all that, I was lucky enough to be able to take a trip across the pond to England to see my wonderful family there. And I got to spend a summer there. And it really totally plucked me out of my circumstance here. Thank goodness, because that relationship, funnily enough, resurfaced while I was away. I called home and my sister had said the person had been calling my phone. And thank goodness I wasn't in the country because I was still developing my self-control at that point. So my family in England took me in and made sure I had a home away from home. I traveled through Europe and met people from all over the world, and I got to work in a pub. This experience offered me more transformation, and it stretched my self-concept and independence more than I'd experienced consciously yet. This was huge for me. And after having a taste of independence, I wanted more adulting. Upon return to Canada, I began dating someone I knew from high school and fell fast in love. I was so content being loved by someone who thought the world of me. Love is all you need, right? Our life was an absolute whirlwind. Within a year and a half, I had moved out of my parents' house, bought my first place, moved in with my partner, got engaged, sold my place, moved again into a house together, adopted one dog, got married, then adopted another dog, And within six months from that, after the wedding, I was pregnant. I also experienced my first clear season of depression, not getting out of bed for a week kind of depression. I had ripped through change and my nervous system in the, sorry, I had ripped through change and ripped through my nervous system. I had shocked my nervous system in the name of independence and adulting. This was a real, real profound transition that called me back inside. My pregnancy was exciting. My partner was supportive and on his own journey 
of what it looks like to become both a man and a father in a very condensed amount of time. I have such compassion for the growth trajectory he went through. When I say he was stretched, my goodness, I mean it. I gave birth to my first son in November 2008. I felt ready to be a mother. It was the next logical, linear step for me. I did not realize the gravity of this decision. I know we talk about this in terms of change and oh my gosh, it's going to be huge. It's going to change your whole life. We hear this and we're like, yeah, like, duh, I know. I know it's going to change my whole life. (laughs) And it's so profoundly naive in some aspects because when it comes, you're like, holy shoot. It's the type of change that nothing can prepare you for it like going through it, which I'm realizing with wisdom and age is like many things. Nothing really prepares you for it until you walk through it. So I didn't realize the gravity of this decision. And I was a really independent person. I did not like control of any flavor. And not that having a child controls you, but for those of you who've experienced this, um, and those of you who have experienced other things that you're responsible for, like the gravity of this responsibility meant for me anyway, that I couldn't just get up and go on a whim. I couldn't be impulsive anymore. This really grabbed at my impulsivity. It really grabbed at my, you know, what I did to feel feelings that I could predictably and want to feel. That was sort of out of reach, right? My self-concept changed once again, only this time I didn't really think about my concept, my self-concept consciously. So I didn't really fully consciously go through this change. I just expected it. And because I'd expected it and maybe visioned it in certain ways, it was surprising and it was shocking at times. Um, I experienced another season of depression that I didn't acknowledge at first. I couldn't imagine not being elated at the birth of my child. It just didn't compute. And I know this is the experience for many women. There's this weird like feeling, but then also the other part of you that doesn't really want to admit to that feeling or, you know, feels odd for that feeling coming in. And really, I think it's such a, I think it can be such a whirlwind and hormonal change and just with the incredible amount of change, you really get knocked off your center sometimes. And this is not the experience for everybody, but for me, it absolutely was. So it had nothing to do with love or being elated. I was elated. I'd never been so in love with another human in my life. I didn't know it until he was born. I didn't know that loyalty that comes with this type of relationship while you are still learning to love yourself, it becomes a bit of a stand-in. I stopped relating to myself and became the role of mother almost exclusively. Almost exclusively. As I said, my my husband at the time, the father of my children, um, was probably missing out on the version of me and the, the amount of me that he got before. So... I was not concerned about myself, my eating, or my sanity. My nervous system was feeling ragged from relationship stress, lack of sleep, latching and lactating, and feeling detached from Ashley. The Ashley that I knew that was fiery in high school. The Ashley that I re-met 
in England. That was a more mature, mature, refined version. I found my way as a mother and was able to focus on that role while also working in a family business and serving at night sometimes. After a year or so, I was ready to create another child. My second son was born November 2010 at home in my bed again. I was struck by my capacity to love so deeply that I was able to ride the storms of relationship, adulthood, financial expansion and contraction. And again, more, who am I? What does this mean? I explain this from my perspective, from my lens, in hopes that perhaps you can relate to my story, find comfort in it, find something that's for you. When I had my children, It was the most incredible yet vulnerable aspect of my human experience. These two are my heart externalized. That feels so vulnerable that that I've now allowed my heart to be externalized out in front of me. And it's so vulnerable because if anything happens to them by proxy, it ends up happening to me. And you know, if you have children, if something happens to your kid, it's like tenfold, right? I had this conversation once with my sister's grandmother-in-law who had asked me a question. She looked at me holding my son and said, isn't it crazy you just met them and yet you trade your life for theirs? I can tell you that statement knocked me on my butt. (laughs) The feelings and emotion that rose with that, the anxiety, the fear, the vulnerability, the profoundness of what I'd created, what she was commenting on, that whole statement knocked me sideways. Holy smokes. I still think about it. My whole world had shifted in two years time so fast I couldn't access the normal conceptual bird's eye perspective. I was in the thick of it. I was loving it and at the same time bearing it. I started to pick up on the thin whisper of my soul. I had studied yoga to become a yoga teacher and I'd found comfort in the concepts of higher self, source, and God. Practicing asana and meditation were incredibly gentle ways to reconnect with myself. I remembered that as a kid, I came with a well of hope, optimism, and a belief in pure, benevolent, unconditional love, and I was not ready to give that up. The hug of my grandma with no expectation, the feeling of just benevolent, unconditional love was something that I could still access, but only partly. It felt comforting and only partially accessible. I couldn't feel the full thing. At a certain point, I realized the relationship I was in with my partner was not sustainable. I was not the person I was when we met, and I was not loving him or myself the way we both deserved. This was one of the hardest yet clear-cut decisions of my life. I knew it would break his heart and unearth our foundation, but I also knew it wasn't in alignment. And the longer I stayed, the more we would suffer. It's not fair to stay with someone when you're emotionally gone. It is not fair to him. He's wonderful and deserves to be in a relationship with someone who is all in. I was emotionally unavailable. I was the one that time. Our marriage completed after six years of partnership. I have so much compassion for anyone on any side going through this. 
It is profound and shakes loose anything not nailed down. You guys, I have to say, this is where things get cooking. You've been with me, holding it down with me for 24 minutes listening to my story, and we're just getting to the beef. So, if you've been enjoying listening, excellent. Part two is on the way. If you're good with learning up to this point, thank you for coming. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I enjoy you and I appreciate you sharing energy with me for the short time you have. 